What is wisdom? What does that word even mean? How can we implement wisdom in our everyday lives? Psychiatrist and executive coach Dr. Sunil invites you to join him on a transformational and sacred quest to experience meaning, purpose, and fun in both your life and work. These podcasts will not only empower you to wisely navigate through a confusing world, but to grow in body, mind, and spirit, which will ultimately have us Dancing with Wisdom. Hello, and welcome to the Dancing with Wisdom podcast with me, Sunil Raheja, as we continue to explore difficult and complex questions of life and learning to live and even dance with wisdom in our cynical and chaotic world. Well, we're continuing our conversation with John Wyatt. John, great to have you again with us. Yeah, thanks, Donald. Good to be here. And these conversations are friends talking about friendship. And John is in the process of writing a book on this very important subject. Well, I say friendship, very important subject, but it's a strange subject in a sense because we've got a very strange relationship with friendship as a society and culture. And if you haven't listened to the previous podcasts, I'd really encourage you to do so. In the previous podcast, we've talked about what a wonderful thing friendship is. I mean, in a sense, uh, it'd be fascinating to hear how John Wyatt himself, yeah, John, you've been moulded by your friendship with John Stott over 40 years and the legacy that John Stott left, not just in your own heart and life, but also in the lives of many others. Yep. And as we say that, and as we give thanks for that, we're also reminded that we live in a world that's very cynical about friendship, that firstly doesn't value it very much and doesn't think very much of it. And secondly, when it does look at friendships, it tends to look at it with, as you use the phrase, a hermeneutic of suspicion, with a question that there must be something dodgy going on here. And usually that's in the areas of sex and power. That's the negative side. And, and very helpfully in, in the last podcast, you've helped us to see why as it were, our culture thinks in such a way and how we need to be wise when it comes to friendships. Because yes, they hold great potential, but there is, the truth is, there is great danger. And the tragedy and sadness about it is that even among people who you would thought should know better in terms of Christian leaders, in terms of people in authority, have abused friendship, have exploited others, have done terrible things in the name of love, in the name of concern, and there are lots of terrible stories out there of how people have been manipulated and abused in, in the horrible, in most horrible kinds of ways. That's the negative side. And we've also talked as well about recognising the warning signs of that and establishing healthy boundaries. Well, you've got a phrase, um, John, which, uh, which is fascinating. You've used the phrase gospel-crafted friendships. And that's what we're going to explore in, in this podcast. Let's start by asking, why did you use that phrase, gospel-crafted friendships? Yes, I, I've been wrestling with trying to find a way of expressing a Christian understanding of, of healthy friendships, of wise friendships. And I was actually talking to, I've been talking to a number of people who were deeply influenced by John Stott and asking them about their experience. And I was talking to a, a very good friend of mine called David Zach, who who is a, an African, he's actually now an African bishop uh, in Uganda, uh, but he knew Stott when he was a young man and mm. actually developed quite a close friendship with him. And again, it was quite unusual. Stott was a visiting uh, Western speaker, very high profile, 
uh, speaking at various conferences, and he struck up a friendship with this guy, very young, in his early 20s, an African, and they developed this very deep friendship. And I asked David Zach, and I asked him what was the characteristic of that friendship, and it was he who came up with the phrase, you know, John, it was a friendship crafted out of the heart of the gospel. Right. And he then talked about what he meant by that, and I just thought that was quite a remarkable phrase. And as yes. I've thought about it, I think gospel-crafted friendships, it, it seems like it, it expresses something, which is actually very hard to pin down. Mm. What, what is a healthy friendship? What yes. does it look like? Before we go into that, can we just, just break down what we mean by the word gospel as well? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, of course, it's a it's a word we all knew know and uh, and use, but it, its literal meaning is is good news. And apparently, the Greek word which we find in in the Bible time and again was simply the common word used about any good news. So yes. they would say good news. You know, tomatoes are <laughs> half price, or good news. <laughs> you know, the Roman Empire has just conquered yes. France. Yes. And then the early Christians came along and said, well, actually, we've got some even more amazing, amazing good news. And they just used exactly the same. Yeah, so the good news that Jesus is alive. It's, it's good He's news. conquered death. That's right. It's yes. good news about Jesus. And, and we can have friendship is, with God. And why is Jesus good news? Mm. And that's, that's the question. And who is good news for? Yes. And so that idea of the gospel at heart is the good news about Jesus. And so then the question is, well, how does the good news about Jesus craft? Yes. And I like that. And because ch- I think you were previously thinking gospel shaped friendships, but craft, it indicates there's something that's very almost artistic and creative about it, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And so one of the fascinating things about friendship, if you think about, you know, you, you, the friendships you've got with different people, each one is mm. absolutely unique. Yes. The relationship I've got with, I can think of a, some of my other close friends with with Steve and with with yeah. Rob and, and and so on they're they're all unique they've yes. all got some yes. special different personalities about and different, different characteristics different ways, ways yeah. we respond the kind of humor we have together the mm. the things we talk about they're all unique but the goal is that each one should be unique in a healthy way should yes. express and and should express i think something of the heart of the gospel, something yes. of the heart of the good news should be expressed in, in this relationship. Yes. Okay, so we understand the why. So what does, so what does that look like? So <laughs> what, do, what do gospel-crafted friendships actually look like then? Well, and that's what I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling. I, I, you know, I'm trying yes. to write this book and I'm still yes. working so this away is, this at is these ideas. Process. This is work in progress. But so I, this is friends talking about friendship, <laughs> friends talking about gospel-crafted friendships. Yeah. There we are. Let's have that. But I suppose I think an obvious place to start is that gospel crafted friendships are based on the truth. Mm. The gospel, the good news about Jesus, is based on truth as opposed to lies, as opposed to deception. And as we've talked about previously, that's often where friendships go wrong is where there's some element of deception, some element of me not being completely open and honest. Yes. And so I think one of the characteristics of gospel-crafted friendships is, is that they are genuinely truthful and honest. And yes. I'm, I, I'm being myself. Yes. And that means that, that sometimes I'm sharing stuff which is quite difficult or unpleasant or painful. Yes. But I want our relationships to be based on honesty and truth. 
Is that also saying, in a sense, and based in reality as well? Based in reality, based in in the way we are. And, and, and that yes. means, I suppose, coming on from that, that real friendships are, I'm prepared to reveal something, mm. something deep about myself, Selfie. including making myself vulnerable. Yes. So, actually, I, this is obviously, we're not talking about marriage, but marriage is obviously a very special kind of friendship. But in marriage, you know, when we get married, we have a certain fantasy in our head about what our spouse is like. And we have to, in a sense, be confronted with the reality of who they are. Because if we don't, that marriage, that relationship, that friendship is going to be severely dampened. And that's obviously, a, is extreme the right word? But that, that's obviously a, an example of, of, of a reflection of all yeah. the other friendships as well. And it's just the same case in any friendship with any, if I want to have a friendship with anybody, I've got to engage with a real me, I have to engage with a real you. Absolutely. And, and the most dangerous thing, isn't it, when relationships are based on some kind of lie, some kind of deception... Yes. Because that means the entire relationship is potentially yes, and I suppose what you threatened. talked about earlier on about the danger signs, you know, the the demand for loyalty, the love bombing, that kind of thing. That there's a lie, there's a deceit there that's happening. There's yeah. some kind of ulterior motive, isn't yes. there? And and the heart of the good news, the gospel, is is that there's not an ulterior motive. This mm. this is this is the truth. Yes. This is this is the way things are. And that means, I think, that we should be prepared to make ourselves vulnerable. And particularly, that may mean that, you know, the, the, the person who's the older person, if we're talking about a sort of intergenerational friendship, that it's the older person, the person in the position of power, who, who should be prepared sometimes to make themselves vulnerable. And I can still remember, if I think about my relationship with, with Stott, yes. you know, uh, I was, you know, we'd been friends for maybe two or three years. I was a newly qualified doctor. He was at this absolute peak of his international ministry. He was a single man. And I remember we had a conversation and I said to him, I'm just wondering whether God is calling me to be a single man like you. Mm. And he said something like, I'm not sure that I would recommend it, dear brother. <laughs> right. And he then proceeded to talk about some of his own struggles oh, wow. he's had as a single man. Wow. About the temptations, about wow. women who'd set a cap at him, about the yeah. loneliness, coming back late at night and not having any anyone yeah. even to make him a cup of coffee. Yes. And I remember hearing this and thinking, wow. gosh, if I was to broadcast publicly what I've just heard from the great John Stott, this would create an absolute scandal. Wow. And yet he's kind of modelling integrity. Well, he's secure enough in himself to be open with you about that as well. Yes, that's right. But of course he's also modelling trust. He's showing that he trusts me. Yes. And he's taking our relationship on to a deeper level. Yes. And so that he's making it safe for me to talk about some of my struggles and, and... in a previous podcast, we talked about good secrets and bad yes, secrets, yes. you know, and there is there are good secrets within healthy relationships where mm. I haven't told anyone else this, but I just feel I can trust you and I want yes. to share this with you. Yes. And I know that Stott didn't talk to with lots of people about his yeah. struggle for what, whatever reason he felt yes. that with me. It was was somebody he wanted to share. It was safe to do so. so. And 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 it would also be... It would be helpful for me. Yeah, it'd be helpful for you to hear that, yes, from your perspective. That's wonderful. So you said truthful. You talked about appropriate vulnerability. Uh, What else? Yeah. I think it's serving the other. Mm. You know, again, when we see where relationships go wrong, 
it's ultimately all about me. I'm mm. getting something out of this. I'm getting yes. some sexual gratification. gratification. I'm getting some power. Some, mm. uh, or else I'm using this friendship. Yes. You know, sometimes people use friendship in a kind of transactional yes. way. I really yeah. want to be f- friends with him because he's very powerful. So if I could only yes. be his friend, then that that's would be right. really, that would open up doors yes. for me. I mean, actually, as a quick aside, that's always interesting. Uh, reflection on on others is how does somebody treat somebody who has no value to them? Absolutely, that's a very interesting test of character, really. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that's one of the characteristics of gospel crafted friendships is. And we, you could see it in Stott that he he went out of his way he to notice the nobodies mm. and to develop friendships with them, and there was no value in it from that point. But but it it was that servant heartedness, yeah. that desire yes. to be there for someone else, yes. and and. Uh, whatever, whatever it cost, whatever, yes, whatever the benefit was. Yes. Whereas pride, or, or you know, managing one's ego is is a very important skill in developing wisdom. And if I haven't managed my ego, then I will be looking at others as either superior to me or inferior to me. But it's all about me. It's all about this sort of right. ruthless, unsmiling concentration on the self mm. that is so damaging. And ultimately carry to its conclusion leads to all these problems that we've talked about as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, related to this idea of, of, of being servant-hearted is something which might sound a bit strange, but I really believe it's very important, and that is mm. that gospel-crafted friendships are respectful. Yes. There is a sense in which of mutual respect mm-hmm. that I've got to remind myself that this person, even though they may be from a social point of view, and nobody, they may be somebody with all kinds of problems, they may yes. be somebody with learning difficulties or whatever else, they are still a unique human yes. being made in God's image, yes. and I must treat them with respect yes. uh, and not patronise them, not abuse yes. them, not manipulate them, but say, this is a wonderful person that God has yes. made. And so, and, and, and interestingly, you know, there's a sense in Christianity in which God himself treats us with respect. Mm. Uh, there's a, a Greek word which, was, which the early Christians chose to illustrate, uh, to describe the love of God, which was agape. Yes. And, and apparently one of the root meanings of agape in Greek is, is respect. Oh, wow. Okay. So that yes. um, agape love is respect love. It's to tr- yes, it's, it's love, but it's not pity. No. It's not manipulative. It's actually based on respect yes. for the good of the other. Yes. I'm thinking of that phrase, um, God is the perfect gentleman, <laughs> yeah. um, in terms of the fact that when we respect another person, is that you're not forcing the relationship. You're available and open to wherever it may go. And if it's going to go deeper, that's wonderful because that's going to be more enriching. But if it's not going to go deeper, mm. that doesn't mean to say that I like or love you less. Mm. It is what it is. And I'm, as it were, sufficiently secure in myself that I'm not demanding that you be my friend. I'm not demanding that you open your heart to me or you be completely vulnerable to me. Because then again, that's about my ego again. That's about me trying to use you, Mm. in a sense, to gratify myself is what I'm doing. You know, it it might not be as bad as power and sexual abuse, Mm. but it's still a a form of self-gratification, really. Yes, and actually, I think that's one of those warning flags. You know, we talked previously yeah. about what the red flags are. And I think if you're in this relationship and you feel yourself being constantly 
pulled in. Pulled and, yeah, yeah. you know, coerced, coerced manipulated. You, that, you, you should be thinking there's something not healthy Nothing, about yes. that. This is not genuinely based yes. on, on respect, mutual respect. And I suppose, it, again, I suppose it, with the whole gospel-crafted friendship idea, thinking about this, is that is that there is a third person in the friendship, the third person of God, who's also a three person in the Trinity. But in a sense, he's also directing this friendship as well. So I don't have to control it. I don't have to make it into something. I can be open. I can have ideas that I think, you know, our friendship could be beneficial to us and to others. And this is the way I think it could be. But I'm not going to be wedded to that idea and it must go my way. And, it, and you have to do the things that I'm saying. And I'm demanding that you listen to me and that you be my friend and that we do A, B and C. That's um, absolutely right. Yeah. And, and in fact, there's, a, there's even a kind of mystical aspect to that, mm. which Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the, the great Christian teacher, martyr, he, he wrote this wonderful book, Life Together, and he, yes. he talks about words to the effect that as we develop, as two Christian people, as we develop a deeper and deeper relationship, actually what's happening is that Christ is there Right. in the midst in between a... us. And what is drawing me to you is what mm. I can find of Christ, what I can see yes. of Christ in you. And what is drawing you to me is what you, you can, can see, see of Christ, Christ in me. me. So, so yeah. ultimately it is, it is Christ who is the thing that is the person who is pulling yes. us together. That reminds me, if you think of the, uh, it's, it's, again, it's an example from marriage, but I think it applies to friendship as well, is that if you think of a triangle, at the apex of the triangle, you have God and you have, and you have the two people, you know, either in marriage or two friends, the closer they get to God, the closer they come to each other. Yeah, yeah, um, this is a similar idea, yeah, isn't yes. it? So, yeah. I, I, and I think there are many other characteristics of the gospel which you could think about, but I think one of the most beautiful is, is the way that the gospel crosses barriers. Mm. One of the dangers in friendships, isn't it, is that we only find people like ourselves. We find yes. people who are just the same as us, who've got the same interests, the same social background, the same age, the same. Mm. And, and we're drawn to them just because they're almost like a mirror image of myself. Yes. <laughs> but it, that, that makes me think, you know, if there are two people who are thinking exactly the same, then one is unnecessary. <laughs> and it sounds quite dull and boring, really. Yes. Yeah, just well, have, just reflecting myself. And I think it certainly raises a question mark, doesn't it? it almost is this some kind of idolatry that we're just you know we're peas in a pod we just do everything together yes whereas in my experience the most enriching and yes. rewarding and profound friendships are with are, it's about the differences it's yes. the fact hang on i say this but you see the world in this totally different way and yet actually that's really yeah. interesting and, and we can yeah. learn together and don't we need that in this in, in our world and age today where if somebody disagrees with, with me that i just dismiss them as yeah, a exactly. as a nincompoop or as a as stupid and i don't want to think well you think you see it that way but i don't see it help me yeah. to see it i, I just yeah. i can't see it yeah. you know I, yeah you see the world blue i see it green yeah. and i don't understand what how do you see it blue you know all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah absolutely right and so this is the wonderful thing i think about the gospel of jesus the gospel of jesus as it's shown in history has been this astonishing thing which which can overcome social yes barriers, barriers. i mean in the early church it was often the barriers between jewish people and the gentiles the non-jewish people and it was the church which paul says yes. in jesus that dividing wall of hostility yes. has been broken down but that same message applies you know to barriers of age barriers of gender barriers yes. of social class yes. of education yes. of racial backgrounds and so on yes 
And the wonderful thing about these friendships is the way, and I think, you know, going back to David Zack, my friend, yes, who, the, the African, I think that was one of the things that, that so struck him. You know, here he was, an African in a poor country, young, inexperienced. Here was this uh, Westerner, yeah. uh, white yeah, completely leader, different. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah. And yet... Public school this, educated, yeah, everything. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like that, and yet yeah. there was this... Yeah. Of a really deep bond. And he said what moved him so much was that Stott, uh, when, I think it was the second time they met, but Stott clearly was struggling with some very personal issue himself. And he, mm. he, and he said to, to Zach, you know, can you pray for me? Can I share this with you? And I want you to pray for me. And, wow. and, and, the vulnerability. Know, and, yeah. and Zach was thinking this is strange but wonderful, mm. you know, the way. And, and so that's why I think this idea of friendship crafted out of the heart of the gospel yes. is, is such a, a wonderful and liberating idea. That's beautiful, yeah. So, and I was just thinking, you know, the whole issue about John 17, John chapter 17, John's gospel chapter 17, and Jesus' prayer for his disciples, for his friends, to be one as he and the Father are one as well. Yeah. Absolutely right. And I think you do find in the Scriptures some, some wonderful visions of this kind of friendship. And, and, and one which I've found really fascinating and, and interesting is, is the relationship you find between the Apostle Paul yes. and Timothy, yes. uh, a younger man, as an example of yes. uh, this the, kind of friendship. We're going to explore that in a moment, but can I just, before we get to that, just think about this issue around this mentoring and discipling? Hmm. Because, I mean, mentoring is a phrase used a lot in the business world. Yeah. Uh, and discipling, obviously, among Christian circles. And you've got some interesting views, maybe controversial views, maybe challenging views, you know, yeah, on that. Yeah, so, so mentoring is one of those very common and trendy ideas I think at the moment and people talk about how important and we should all be in mentoring mm -hmm. people and sometimes said you know that there's lots of mentoring relationships in the bible and mm. um but I must say I personally find that the concept of mentoring not very helpful because you know I've dug a bit into where does this come from and it's very clearly a men it's a it's a business Mm. concept it comes from the states and it's particularly it's first started being used about chief executives yes. uh, of big companies and who um, were having a mentoring relationship with another chief executive to um, make the company grow bigger and exactly. bigger and better and, and, and faster and all that yeah. yeah so it's it's basically a business concept and and it is very transactional it, it, the idea is you know i'm the mentor you're the mentee Mm. I'm going to show you how to do this task better, how to lead your company, how to arrange a meeting, how to yeah. write a scientific paper or whatever. And then once you've learned that, then you can be a great man like me. Yeah. And you can so, say, and then you just move on. Basically. And then I move on. And, yeah. and it's, so it's very hierarchical. I'm the mentor. You're the mentee. Mm. You haven't got anything to teach me. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the mentor. Okay. Yeah. We're having this. Yeah, yeah. It's transactional. It's task orientated. Yes. It's time limited. Yes. Um, so I'm going to, we'll have this mentoring relationship for six months, but after that, you're on your own. Right. Yeah. And also, it's exclusive. So, you know, I mentor you. What are you doing meeting up with this other guy? I thought I was mentoring you, you know. So, so, and I, I think that's really very different from what we've just been talking about. Yes. Um, which is much more a question of of sharing oneself, of yes, of and and of, of a two way process of learning okay. from one another. And then 
your views about discipling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, this phrase I hear some sometimes, particularly more in America, I think, than in the UK. But you know, of discipling that um, I'm I'm discipling him. I'm I'm, and and the idea is that then you know he's following me, and and, okay, and eventually, yeah, you know, yes. I've got to dis disciple him so that he's then going to be able yes. to serve Christ. Yes. So there isn't the vulnerability. It's very much, you know, I've, I've got to teach you the tools of the trade because you don't know, you don't know it as well as I do. And so, yeah. Yes. And it's a kind of authoritarian thing. And of course, there's a relationship between discipling and discipline. I mean, immediately, if I'm discipling you and you're going wrong, Mm. Then I've got to discipline you. I mean, that's part of the that's part, you know, of, yeah. that, that's part of the deal. Yes. And yeah, the fascinating thing to me again is I've just been reading around this subject is that in Matthew twenty three, mm. Jesus explicitly says so. So this was very, apparently very common at the time. The rabbi had their own disciples. They followed the rabbi around, mm. and then eventually, after a while they would become rabbis themselves and then they would have their own disciples. And so it went on. They would, every rabbi had their own disciples. Yes. But Jesus explicitly says to his disciples, don't call anyone rabbi. Ah. Don't call anyone father. No. Don't call anyone teacher. You only got one teacher, yes. one Lord, and that's God. Yes. So it's almost like he explicitly says don't follow the rabbis in terms of having disciples or having a, a, sort of uh, having a hierarchy, hierarchy. hierarchical system yeah. yeah so which is very different to what we see in our church and that's probably the controversial thing isn't it because we we have ministers and we have the we have the clergy and we have the lay you know yeah and we have this sort of hierarchical system as well yes and the idea that that discipling is something that the the senior people should be doing I personally uh, increasingly feel that's not a helpful concept. Mm. What Jesus said is make disciples. Yes. yes, we should be making disciples, but they're not my disciples. They're not, no. They are disciples of Christ. Yes. And we make disciples not by discipling, yes. but by friendships. By, by friendship, by, that's what, yeah. By making ourselves vulnerable, by having all these yes. uh, things we've just been talking about. Yeah, that's lovely. So if we're coming to the conclusion then, then we have the example of Paul and Timothy in the New Testament. And what are some of the things that, that come out from that friendship between the two of them? And I think you've talked about some, you know, we, we, we see that in the way John Stott related to yourself and to um, David uh, that you mentioned as well. Yes, David Zach. David yes. Zach as well. But what have we learned from Paul and Timothy? Well, I think these letters that we find in the epistles, uh, the, the two letters to Timothy, there's letters to Titus, give us just a little snapshot, a little picture of this wonderfully intimate relationship between Paul, the, the aged disciple, the aged apostle who was coming to the end of his life, and this young man, Timothy, who there was clearly a very deep affection. I yes. mean, Paul turns, says to him, says that Timothy's my own heart, my child, but he also, there's clearly mutual respect here. He says, you know, you're a, you're a servant of God. and, and um, yes. He's pouring his heart he's, into he's, him. He's, he's, he's caring for him. He's, yeah. he's, he, and there's also sharing his own vulnerability. Paul talks about his failures. He talks about how he was a persecutor of Christ. He, mm. and, and there's these wonderfully intimate little things, you know, come and see me and bring the parchments mm. and I, I miss you and... Yeah. I long to see so you again. So an appropriate affection and concern for each other that our world finds very hard to understand. Yes, and which again, 
it's so unusual today to see that kind of yes. uh, older man with with a younger man, but but yeah. in this non-manipulative but deeply intimate, yeah. sharing, caring, praying, yes, and and encouraging, but not. There's very little in the way of rebuking. Paul says very little, very negative things to Timothy. It's, yes. it's this gentle encouragement, reminding him yes. of the truth and how to serve in the situations to which God has put him. Well, John, thank you so much for um, bringing this fascinating area to us and allowing us to uh, discuss the drafts of your book, which isn't written yet. But it is such an important part of growing in wisdom, learning to as it were, manage our relationships and particularly our friendships. And I think one of the things I'm left struck with is that true friendships last for eternity. And friendships need to leave a positive wake, a good sense. And we've heard that in the life of John Stott. We've just talked about Paul and Timothy that we're talking about 2,000 years later and what an encouragement influence that can be as well. Yeah, and I just want to encourage uh, our viewers and listeners to, just to really take this on board and really reflect on this and thinking about how, how can my fr- friendships reflect the character and goodness of God? Because in a t- at the end of the day, what else matters really? My friendship with him and my friendship with others. That's, that's the legacy that we want to leave. So thank you again, John. Yeah. Thanks so much, Sonalia. You've been listening to the Dancing with Wisdom podcast, presented by Sunil Raheja. For details on the Dancing with Wisdom book and its accompanying workbook, please visit drsunil.com. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, then please share it, give a thumbs up on YouTube, and help it grow by leaving a nice review. Life's challenges can diminish, define, or develop you. Which will it be? Make sure you hunger for the wise one. The choice is yours.